This episode of Upstream in Perspective is brought to you by IHS Markets Upstream Insight. Our team of industry experts analyze the interplay of geopolitical structures, government priorities, corporate strategies, and global markets and technologies to deliver forward-looking solutions that lead to more informed and efficient decisions. These solutions are available via recurring reports, interactive analytics, robust data sets, and bespoke engagements with experts. Learn more about our offerings at www.ihsmarket.com energy. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host for Upstream in Perspective, Jessica Nelson. Today I'm joined by Sven Del Pozzo and Tim Brown. Sven and Tim are analysts with extensive experience in equity analysis, valuations, and strategy assessment of U.S. ENPs. Guys, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks, Jessica. So we have a, a lot to cover, so I want to jump right in. Um, let's talk a little bit about your research. Is your research indicating any bargains in the U.S. oil and gas ENP sector at current oil prices? Well, at first, we have to define a bargain, and there's lots of ways to, to look at that. But uh, at least the one that we've been noticing lately is that um, just it's a simple analysis of uh, seeing whether the production stream that a company has, the oil and gas that it produces, how much it's worth. And um, then we compare that with, with uh, what the stock is selling for and, uh, and the debt that the company has. And uh, right now, it seems like not just us, but also uh, activists, investors are noticing that there's a, a number of smaller producers where the value of their production at $50 oil, I should say the present value of their production, so um, at discounted into today's dollars, is uh, it trades for almost the same as what their uh, market capitalization would imply and, and, their, and the book value of their debt would imply. So uh, basically, if you go out and buy these shares um, for these select few companies, uh, you, you're only buying them for their, the value of their production at $50, which means uh, everything else comes for free. And in the case of an oil and gas company, everything else besides the production would be non-producing assets, which are reserves, prospective reserves or unproved reserves that are in the ground or future drilling opportunities. And uh, those can um, be worth a lot of money. So if you pick the right ones, uh, yeah, there's, there, there's certainly are, uh, we think there are bargains out there. It's just um, they're not all over the place. You have to do your research. And so an obvious area to start might be uh, the Permian Basin, right? So the Permian Basin over the last 18 months um, has had a lot of activity uh, as operators sought entry or consolidation opportunities in North America's most active oil play. Um, however, Elliott Management's bid for QEP resources appears to now leave investors very little, if any, options um, to easily or cheaply take over oil-weighted Permian pure play. So, so tell us a little bit about Elliott's pending QEP deal um, and, and the Permian. Well, Tim's the expert on QEP. I'll just say a, a couple things. Um, the reason it leaves investors with few of any few if any opportunities is because QEP was one of the only uh, companies that um, actually screened as being that, that could actually be t taken over uh, because of its uh, it has a relatively small amount of vested shareholders um, and uh, it's got a lot of production value uh, and it's mostly oil which makes it interesting it doesn't have much debt so uh, those kind of things make give it a broad appeal to potential buyers and uh, you know as far and basically the the, the bid price that Elliot um, is uh, proposing would imply a price of less than ten thousand dollars 
per acre for uh, for QEP's Permian asset. So I'll, I'll let which is a good price. Uh, Tim can take it from here. Yes, yeah, Sam, like you said, uh, we think the the deal would be a steal at the the price that they're offering at eight seventy five a share. Elliot's offering QP. We think it would be a deal a steal for Elliot, um, which is why we believe QP has been searching for better offers since uh, the deal was first announced or the possible uh, the possibility of the deal was first announced in November. Um, <clears throat> Recently, excuse me, though, recently there have been some rumblings that Vantage Energy, which is the company that agreed to buy QEP's Wilson Basin assets, um, they may want to renegotiate the offer price of that deal because of the recent decline in oil prices. The prices have been, oil prices have dropped about 10% since the deal announcement. Um, now, at the time of the acquisition, Elliot said it was ambivalent as to whether the Bakken deal got went through. So I'm not sure if it will determine whether the acquisition is consummated for QEP or not. But any decline in the values of the Wilson Basin assets or the sale price would effectively increase the cost of Elliott's acquisition of QEP. Um, and also, QEP stock has dropped about 11% below Elliott's bid price recently, which suggests the market doubts whether QEP will find a buyer at this point. Interesting. So... so- do you have any uh, any guess there? Do you expect them to hold out, given all that information? I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, if it, if it's a steal, then uh, QEP should try and look for look for something else. See who else is interested. You know, the um, depends how, how long they they want to wait out for. And, uh, and there there are um, Tim. I don't think there's any like big big shareholders at QEP that that can uh, stop this from happening, right? No, they couldn't stop it from happening. I, I I could see why QEP would want to wait because they haven't even finalized the transition to being a pure play Permian yet, and maybe they realize some benefits of that when that fin- when that finally happens, and maybe that raises the value of the company. At the same time, with the market doubting another buyer is going to come along and. QEP, QEP maybe wanting to get out as one of going somewhat good. Maybe they do accept it. It's just it's just up in the air right now. It's really hard to tell which way they're going to go. And the, the man, there's a management transition at QEP also, which is probably another reason Elliot uh, thought it could step in. Um, there's there's a management shift on the way also. Okay, um, so that leads to the the question of. If few per pure plays remain, are there any other steals in the basin? By that method that I described earlier, basically, are you selling for just what your current production is? Mean, which logically implies, necessarily implies that your future, uh, any future locations that you drill, assuming they're economic at fifty dollars, come for free. Then yeah, we got a few other ones that that fit the bill. Um, one of them is. Uh, is Laredo Petroleum, uh, but uh, you know there's a few things that yeah. differentiate it, and Tim is also our expert on Laredo, so I'll hand it over to him. Yeah, there's some issues with Laredo. It does screen cheap relative to its production value, and they do have a relatively clean balance sheet, which is somewhat like QEP as well. But there are some things that make us think that its discount is is well earned right now. Um, by Laredo's own admission, first of all, uh, its 2018 well performance has been poor. And uh, historically, its acreage is more prone to wet gas than oil. Um, also, there have been concerns recently about interwell communication, which has forced Laredo to uh, widen its uh, well spacing, which is kind of a double-edged sword in that 
if the wider well spacing improves well performance, that's great, but at the same time, that also lowers the company's remaining undrilled location count by spacing wells out wider. Uh, and lastly, and this is probably the biggest impediment to a sale, uh, Laredo is basically 50% owned by Warburg Pincus, Sailing Stone Capital Partners, and BlackRock, and they could easily block any proposed acquisition. So that would probably be the biggest hurdle to Laredo being taken over. Yeah, there's another one too. Is um, uh, Halcone, uh, Halcone uh, Resources. That that's another one that sells at production value. Um, so again, screens screens is cheap. Uh, this is after factoring in the uh, their sale of um, a water as water infrastructure recently, which is critical to the assumptions we're making. But anyway, <clears throat> so they sell at production value too. Problem is there. Uh, they've uh, they've also got debt. Um, they have not met any of the growth expectations. Uh, seven, let's say two out of the three areas where they drill have marginal economics at $50 oil. So you're really only looking at um, that upside that I was talking about is only really coming from one area. Um, and that's what you uh, would be getting for free. But you have to be able to deal with the fact that it's got um, – quite a bit of risk and uh, you kind of have to get all the wheels back on the wagon for this one. It's a bit, it's a bit messier. Uh, you, you know, it's not like a QEP where um, you don't have the debt load to worry about. Uh, it's uh, it's not as easy to do. So even though this, so even though that these companies have um, basically you need to dig into the details with each of these names, even though they might screen as selling at production value and uh, each company's situation is a little bit different. So do you expect these candidates to be more attractive to buyers looking to enter the basin or existing Permian players looking to consolidate acreage or expand operations? Well, you know, I, I think there is what we think the big, big opportunity is for large companies, which have kind of a safety, uh, they're, they're safer bets for investors. So they trade at uh, better multiples. Um, they tend to have less debt. So um, all those things, um, make them safer, make them trade at a bigger premium to the smaller, to smaller producers who typically have more debt. And, uh, and basically they, they, the smaller producers need oil prices uh, to go up more than the uh, large producers. We think the, the big opportunity would be for these large guys to go ahead and um, try and gobble up some of these small guys uh, while they can, as long as they're not afraid that oil will go uh, even lower. Um, so, uh, and the best idea would always be to have synergies in the form of, um, well, you'd like to be close by to those assets that you're acquiring. So a large company that has assets next to a small company in terms of the, uh, geographic location of those assets, you'd like them to be close. That would provide a synergy. And, um, and if you've got low debt and you're buying a company that has uh, high debt, you could absorb that debt into your own low debt load and and uh, maybe it means nothing to a big company to absorb the debt the, some of these debt loads of that the uh, that are big for a smaller company um, so if you and plus there aren't that many opportunities out there as we've already discussed so if the permian shopping spree is over where do you expect m a focus to move or do you expect renewed interest in oil pure plays active in the bakken or the eagleford well logically you know if, if somebody's looking for um, stocks that trade in line with just their production value, uh, then why not look outside the Permian? 
um, where the, which is not perceived to have as much uh, upside, uh, but um, maybe you got to go bigger uh, in order to, to get to find that um, value. I mean, there's a lot of production in the Eagleford and the Bakken, and if that's what carries the most value nowadays, uh, then it makes sense to take a harder look at, at those regions. Um, it probably just requires more work. There's uh, not, not so much easy, uh, easy opportunities left um, in, in the Permian. So, yeah, it makes sense to me if you're, if you're um, hunting for value, go outside of the Permian and uh, look at the Bakken and Eagleford where the uh, margins are still strong and um, probably cheaper to, to drill wells because uh, it's not as heated as the Permian. Now, Sven, I know you and I talked a couple of months ago um, about E&P valuations, and at that time, you told me in the next few months, you were going to be watching how Permian pipeline delays impacted financials, how investors were feeling. Uh, how are you feeling about those delays now that we're a few months down the road? Well, I, I'd say all the, all the fundamental things that I talked about at that time with you still hold. Uh, there's no definitive change in any of those uh, hypotheticals that I laid out at that time, which mainly w were uh, involved um, a resurgence of interest in Bakken and Eagleford names, so non-Permian plays, because the Permian had this risk of not being able to sell their oil at market prices because you had to pay too much to get it out of the basin and take it to market. Uh, it's still a very complex issue, um, The uh, but what, what we have seen that I need to update you on is a uh, a change in the consensus view where summer 2019 oil uh, Permian oil price at, at the time we last talked was maybe nine or ten dollars less than um, what the uh, what the West Texas intermediate spot price was so the forward market was saying that okay, so the consensus view in the forward market was about ten bucks less than than uh, than what it would have been for WTI um, now that uh, that discount has really collapsed where they're almost uh, equal on a spot basis, but for the summer 19 deliveries, the forward market is suggesting a price that's only $3 less. So mm -hmm. it's still, a, you know, it's a, it's a meaningful discount, but it, it's nowhere near what it used to be. So it used to be three times as high when we last talked. So, uh, you know, maybe this, this is a reflects market perceptions. Um, perhaps there's not enough, um, not enough of an increase in future oil prices uh, as determined by the futures market. Um, to uh, to incentivize completion of wells that have been drilled but are waiting to be completed and waiting to come online. Uh, so if if oil companies delay bringing those wells online because the prices aren't high enough to get them interested in even turning them on, then uh, there'll be less oil. And if less oil coming out of the Permian means um, your differential will be narrower. The, there'll be less of an oversupply situation. But you know, these are really, uh, we're really speculating at, at this point. Every company has their own situation. Um, and it's not just the pipelines, it's other stuff too. Once you get that oil out of the pipeline, you still have to get it to market. You have to have storage. You might need to get it onto docks and get it onto a ship. It's, uh, it's, it's a complex subject. And I think that uh, we're going to have some, we should be ready for surprises uh, company by company as, as they report. All right. Well, let me ask you then, look into your crystal ball. <laughs> Is there anything else you're expecting to see in 2019? Um, higher deal counts, dollar values than, than 18? What's ahead? Well, I, I really think the large companies should make some gutsy calls here and uh, not be afraid to go and uh, consolidate 
smaller producers who are um, out of favor. I mean, the whole energy sector in general is out of favor. But uh, I think that the uh, big companies need to make, make some gutsy moves because the big companies right now are um, trading at bigger premiums than the smaller companies. And it wasn't so long ago that the smaller companies traded at a bigger premium than, than the large companies. So uh, while the small guys are cheap, take advantage of it and um, snap them up and then uh, things will shift again. And then it'll look like a smart acquisition in retrospect. So go, Wall Street doesn't want you to do it, but if you're a good manager of a good oil company, you make those uh, non-consensus, go against Wall Street, make a non-consensus decision and do it anyway. Yeah, this is the time when stock, stock prices are muted a little bit because the oil prices have come down from the $70 they were at. This is the time for one of the big companies or two of them start making some big moves, I think. Great. Well, hopefully you motivated some of our listeners today. <laughs> Uh, Sven and Tim, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's uh, been a great conversation. Thank you. Great talking with you, Jessica. In today's podcast, we referenced a previous interview where Sven discusses E&P valuation trends. You can find that video on the IHS Market Energy YouTube playlist. You can search for IHS Market Energy or simply type E&P valuation trends into the YouTube search box. To read additional insights from our team of experts, visit our blog at www.ihsmarket.com slash energy blog. And if you haven't checked us out on social media, please search for IHS Market Energy on either Twitter or LinkedIn. I thank you for listening today, and I'll talk to you on the next podcast. This podcast contains information and insights copyrighted by IHS Market. To learn more about IHS Market Energy Solutions, visit ihsmarket.com slash energy. That's ihsmarkit.com forward slash energy.